0: Welcome to the Whiskey and Lemon podcast. The Enneagram, attachment theory, polyvagal theory, the five love languages, 16 personalities, Myers-Briggs, apology styles, personality versions, informative process, not to mention all the little quizzes that are randomly online. I highly recommend that you listen to the previous episode if you have not already, as I will frequently refer back to it in this episode. I do think these can help assist us with situations in our lives. With that said, this episode is not about breaking down these assessments or theories or even going over the ones that I think actually have a case. But it's more about why they all have such popularity in the world and what purpose they serve for us. According to the American Psychology Association, theory of mind is the understanding that others have intentions, desires, beliefs, perceptions, and emotions different from one's own, and that such intentions, desires, and so forth affect people's actions and behaviors. This is essentially the theory of understanding why people do what they do. So if you recall, I described social psychology as the study of human perception in relation to the way the rest of the world influences our behaviors, and our beliefs. It analyzes how outside patterns affect us, as well as our ideas, perception, mood, and emotions. Sounds a lot like theory of mind, right? Well, it is. We all have these psychological mechanisms based on the way in which we live life. Yes, there is a debate of nature versus nurture, but I believe that the two are not mutually exclusive. And even if there are nature elements that may have caused one person to think a certain way, That psyche is still affected by nurture and whatever way that particular mind works. Up until about age five, there are fundamental changes that impact our development instead of how our minds are trained to work and to shift. When children are living in natural situations, this is a good example of how they have learned to behave and interact with others. When placed in controlled environments, for example, the Bobo doll experiment that I covered in the last episode, this is displaying the child's ability to think and behave on their own accord based off of their own independent thought process. In the first couple of years of life is when children tend to pick up on certain things like differentiating their thoughts from reality and that certain things can make one happy or sad. For example, say you are playing with a two-year-old and you're holding a toy. This is the age when they realize that taking that toy away from you could make you sad. And giving it back to you could make you happy. They realize that when the corners of your mouth curve downward, you are sad. And the corners of your mouth curving upward means you're happy. At age three is when they generally are more comfortable expressing what they are observing. Back to that same scenario, they might say, you're sad. Or when they hand you the toy back, they could say something like, you're happy. Or they could even observe the scenario happening with two other people. And they could say, you're sad because they took the toy away from you, seeking clarification based on what they have observed. At around four years old is when children begin to predict what others are thinking and not just feeling. This might be based on something they do or someone else does. For example, if a child taps their parent on their left shoulder and then swiftly moves to the right, they will predict that the parent will look over their left shoulder and they can play a trick on them. Approaching five years of age is when you might realize children are wanting to have conversations based on what they observe. Sometimes it may not always make sense to us, but it is a chance for them to process their thoughts, observations, and feelings about things going on in the world around them. There are, of course, other factors that could affect these standard timelines. Mental or physical disorders, diet, lifestyle, education, and there are even studies that suggest parenting presence or whether or not a child has siblings or another child of a similar age group living within the home can all play a role. It is also very important for children to be able to explore character play, such as playing house, role playing in different occupations, visual games for education, such as teaching them their letters, numbers, shapes, and colors. A key element to helping children have a healthy developmental process is communication which we all can take a lesson from. This is important for so many reasons. Young children are learning what the world even is and things that we may take for granted, like what our thoughts are, what someone says and how they can be an opinion versus fact, etc. Since children are such impressionable beings, it is important that we allow them to ask questions, be curious and express what it is that they are observing and the emotions that they are feeling. If you're out on a nature walk, you can ask them what they see around them, what the flowers and the grass feels like. So back to the Bobo doll experiment, the course of action for a child's behavior could have changed by asking them what it is that they observed, and then either continuing the conversation by asking them if certain behaviors were acceptable or not. Or you can go the route of seeing how they express their feelings simply based on the behaviors they observed. Theory of mind is considered vital for regular human interaction in order to analyze and infer the behavior of others. Theory of mind is how we reason and rationalize others' points of view. Theory of mind can essentially sum up the theories and assessments that I mentioned at the start of this episode. It is the concept of theorizing a mind to help ourselves understand why someone might have the views or emotions that they have. We utilize this theory to make sense of why someone might have the ideas or even exhibit the behavior that they have. There are many things that can go into this. Upbringing, perception, information received versus information excluded, experiences, mood, and so forth. By using theory of mind, we develop empathy. We can use this concept to help us understand someone else, and we can have less judgment and see their side, sort of speak. We can often come across situations where we do not agree with someone else or the choices that they make, or even how they view things. But when we adequately use theory of mind, we can understand how they, based on their personal situation, can have that view. There is no right versus wrong, but simply this is the result of that person's lived experience versus mine based on my lived experience. Theory of mind not only gives us a way to comprehend, but it gives us a way to give grace to those that are different from us in whatever way that may be. As we grow older, the ability to grasp the concept of others behaving differently based off their own unique views and lives diminishes. It is important to understand why theory of mind even exists. Keeping that at the forefront will allow us to keep in mind that not everyone will have the same experiences, upbringing, education, or responses that we have, therefore altering the perspectives and feelings that we all have. In that same action of using theory of mind, we must also make sure that we are not projecting our own personal feelings on a situation or a person onto others to try and rationalize someone else's behavior. It very well could help us come to terms, but doesn't necessarily mean that what we theorize of that individual's mind is exactly the truth. Here are a couple of examples. A couple recently breaks up and the one who is broken up with uses theory of mind to rationalize that that partner just wasn't ready for a relationship. That could be a dangerous place to go. It could simply be your ego theorizing this story when really this might not have been a relationship that was meant to continue. So, someone who hangs on to that theory could very easily keep on holding out for that person to become ready or ignore what went wrong in that relationship so that they could use these tools in their next relationship. Imagine someone emotionally abusing you. You could use theory of mind to try to rationalize their behavior. They went through things as a child and they don't know how to properly communicate their frustrations. And that very well could be true. But it's also not an excuse for you to take abuse. And it also could not be the answer at all. We can find ourselves trying to theorize when really we are searching for an excuse to either make ourselves feel better or give someone else a pass. Theory of mind is still a theory. It could definitely help us to understand someone else's perspective, but without having a relationship to have that open dialogue, we are simply guessing. So if there's one thing that I could say about theory of mind, it would be the right way to use it versus the wrong way. The wrong way is using it to tell ourselves a story for our ego or for an excuse for hurtful behavior. The right way is to allow space for those different than us and also to give grace to those that have different experiences and realities. This allows for us to not just tell ourselves why something is necessarily done, but that the intention is not necessarily what we think it is. Theory of mind can also help us to process and predict someone's actions, especially in unsafe situations. A simple example would be if we always see the same car run a stop sign each morning, it would be wise of us to expect that as we were crossing the street. We would be using theory of mind to use what we have observed of this driver to predict what their behavior would be based on our experience. Someone else may not be on alert for that because that has not been their observed experience. As always, I hope this information was helpful for you. If you are enjoying what you're hearing, please subscribe and leave a review.